This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, February 28th, 2016. You are with me, Psalm 23, 4. El Señor es mi pastor, nada me falta. En verdes pastos me hace descansar. Junto a tranquilas aguas me conduce. Me infunde nuevas fuerzas. Me guía por sendas de justicia, por amor a su nombre. Aun si voy por valles tenebrosos, no temo peligro alguno porque tú estás a mi lado. Tu vara de pastor me reconforta. Dispones ante mí un banquete en presencia de mis enemigos. Has sido ungido con perfume mi cabeza. Has llenado mi copa a rebosar. La bondad y el amor me seguirán todos los días de mi vida, y en la casa de él habitaré para siempre. Hola. That's all I know. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your grace and your goodness, for wooing us here today. Some of us might not even know why we're here. But Lord, we know that you can touch each one of us in just the way that that we need. Help us remove any distractions so that we can have a laser focus on you. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. 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 So today is week three of Lent. Lent is a season, it's a time where we closely examine our relationship with Jesus as we, pre- as we prepare for that journey that Jesus is going to take um, to the cross and his glorious resurrection. Our focus is on Psalm 23, which is in the first half of the Bible, as we consider the idea that the Lord is our shepherd, as we consider the idea that the Lord is with us. Let's read the beginning of that psalm together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so the last two weeks we've been talking about how the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. And since he's our shepherd, we shall not want. We lack nothing. The Lord gives us the nourishment we need, satisfies our thirst, allows us to rest as he makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters, uh, resulting in the restoration of our souls, peeling back the layers of gunk, the layers of sin, allowing us to return to being the righteous creation that God intended when God first thought of us. So let's share the rest of the psalm that we'll be focusing on today. 
Even though I walk, say it with me, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so today we have a noticeable change in the tone, in our tone here, in, in the perspective. We're about halfway through the psalm, and our point of view shifts from talking about the Lord to talking to the Lord. The pronoun changes from he to you, from the third person to the first person, from someone out there and distant to someone up close and personal. And the scene also shifts as well from, and we talked about this last week, from lying down in green pastures to walking through dangerous valleys from the comfort of still waters to the comfort of a rod and a staff, from being led in the paths of righteousness to fearing no evil. You know, being a sheep isn't all green pastures and still waters. There's danger out there, various dangers. There's the danger of cliffs and crevices. But more than that, there's the danger of enemies, of, of predators, of lions and coyotes and bears. Shepherd's job is not only to be provider, but also protector. Not only herder, but hero. As we said a couple of weeks ago, sheep, sheep are dumb. They're directionless and they're defenseless. They need someone who will think for them, someone who will direct them, someone who will defend them. That's what the shepherd does. That, that's what his job is. David, King David, the writer of many of the Psalms, and in fact the writer of this Psalm, he was well aware of what it meant to be a shepherd, what it meant to direct and defend these dumb animals. He was the youngest in his family, and the job of shepherding also often fell to the youngest. David knew what it meant to defend sheep against their enemies, against the predators. And that's why David, while he was still a boy, he was not afraid in this winner-take-all death match against the nine-foot-six-inch giant named Goliath. Yeah, yeah, you know the story. David fought lions and bears as a shepherd, defending his sheep against the fierce beasts. And so this shepherd, David, David knew that the Lord was his shepherd, protecting him against Goliath, just as the Lord had protect, protected David against the enemies of the sheep. You know, during the summer months of the year, the, the shepherd and the sheep would climb higher and higher, seeking thick grass for grazing. In order to get to the high ground, they had to pass through the valleys. Then as the weather became more inclement, down the mountain they came, back into the valley. You know, the valley could be a dangerous place. When the snows melt, when the waters come down, when the rains pour down, it was the valleys that would flood, and they would become dangerous. Uh, the valleys were often drenched in shadow rather than sunlight. Shadows are where 
Not so good things happen at times. Valleys are not always safe places. In his account of Jesus' life, we read in Luke, we read about Jesus' life in the Gospels, second half of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But in Luke, Luke tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Maybe, maybe you've heard it. In that story, there was a man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. He was traveling through a mountain pass through a valley when these robbers swooped in and um, took advantage of him. He had no place to go. This is one example in scripture where someone is trapped in a valley. Valleys, they're really not safe places. Mm. You know, we talk a lot about mountaintop experiences. You know, an experience that's so awesome that we can't really even describe. It's so incredible that it's unlikely that it'll be repeated. It's unique. We, we interesting enough, don't talk a whole lot about valley experiences in terms of awe and reverence, do yes! we? Yes! Yeah. My valley experience. Let me tell you about that valley experience I had last week. Praise it's incredible. God! You never hear that, do you? No. We talk about the valleys of life more with an attitude of avoidance. Because if we're in the valley, it's kind of a low point, a, a place most of the time that we'd rather not be. The valley is a place where things happen that we would rather not happen. In Psalm 23, David includes walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Other versions of Scripture, we're using the English Standard Version, but other versions of Scripture translate this line, valley of the shadow of death, to walking through the darkest valley. As we said, valleys are often shady rather than sunny. But this really goes beyond just shady. This is dark. Darkness. Even to the edge of death. We get quite an opposite feeling here uh, that we got when we talked about lying down in green pastures and sitting beside still waters. The tone has absolutely shifted. There's a feeling of, of foreboding, of, of eeriness, of something that we'd really rather avoid. If God is light, and there's no if to that, God is light, then from the valley we get the glimpse of the other side, this extreme darkness where God does not reside. You see, God is light. And in darkness, it's a whole different story. But the valleys are necessary, aren't they? Because if you're ever going to climb the mountain, you've got to go through the valleys. You've got there. And, and the thing to remember is God often uses the valleys in our life to strengthen us, to, 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 to give us character, to, to deepen our faith. Valleys are, are necessary, and, and God uses those valleys often for our highest good. That being said, we still try to avoid them, don't we? You ever been in a valley? Yeah. 
Now, I don't mean geographic, although I'm sure you've all been to geographic valley one time. No, I'm talking about an emotional valley, a relational valley, a, 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 a spiritual valley. Probably all of us have been, or if not, sooner or later. <laughs> you will be. You will be. A valley, a low point, a, a place where maybe you were on the mountaintop. It came down. You know, we don't get to stay on the mountaintops, do we? Uh, Jesus didn't even get that. that. There's a story of the Mount of Transfiguration where he was up there with uh, Peter, James, and John, and Peter wanted to build little cabins up there for them to stick around a while. Now they <laughs> had to come back down because the valley's where the work gets done, isn't it? Valley's where that hard work gets done. Valley's where things happen. Uh, maybe you're not so sure you've ever even been on a mountaintop experience. I hope you have. And maybe you've been in a valley so long you wonder if you ever will get up the mountain. Wonder if you're ever going to climb that mountain again. So perhaps one of my darkest valleys is when um, I found out that my parents were going to divorce. I was uh, a young adult. Alan and I were married I was actually pregnant with Aaron at the time. And it was a shock. We didn't see it coming. It was like out of the blue. And as the oldest of five kids, I watched our family unravel. It was really, really tough, really dark. I don't know that I've really talked about that to the congregation because I've wanted to preserve the integrity of my parents, and my dad's a good man. And through that, and mom was part of the congregation, so I really couldn't talk about it. <laughs> but through that, my father found the Lord and is a strong, strong man of God. And through that time, as a Christian, I wasn't a pastor, but I loved Jesus. I knew that he would get us through. And certainly there continues to be junk, but, but the Lord is with us. And that's the good news through that. You see, we read here, and David shares, that the Lord walks with us through the valley. He goes through the valley. The Lord is leading us through the valley, shepherding us through the valley, through the place where we even experience the shadow of death. Whatever that looks like, as bad as it can get, it can get so bad, but we know that we don't set up camp there. Uh, we may think that we live there, but we don't because the Lord will take us through those valleys. We aren't stopping there. We don't stay there. Sometimes we kind of hang out there longer than we should. But that's where our decision to follow Christ and our trust that he is with us always comes in. That valley is not the end point. That valley is not our destination. The Lord leads us through, say through, through, through the darkest valleys. Through not to. 
through not to. And even though I walk through this valley, this scary valley, this eerie valley, this valley of darkness, I will fear no evil. We will fear no evil. No evil. And why is that? How can that be? Well, here's a kind of a universal theological truth for you. This one you all keep in your pocket at all times because it will serve you well. If the Lord is with me, and we pray that the Lord is. In fact, the Lord is with us. It's recognizing that that's important, yeah. us to be aware of it, to recognize it. When the Lord's with us, evil can't be. The Lord is with us. Evil they cannot occupy the same space. Does that make sense? Now, we might have evil all around us, but if we recognize that the Lord is with us, evil cannot be. They cannot be simultaneous in a space. They're mutually exclusive, the Lord and evil. The Lord is with me. Evil won't be. And the Lord comforts me with his rod and his staff to assure me of my safety. Shepherds, they traveled light. Generally, they just carried a few things. We read about three things uh, to protect and uh, provide for the sheep. They carried a sling, a rod, and a staff. Now, we're familiar with the sling because that's the David and Goliath story. Um, but Psalm 23 mentions two other things, rod and staff. So the rod was like a, a club-like instrument where, uh, from what I understand, they take a sapling and dig it up and cut out the roots and so that, that, that what's left is this big ball of a head of a club there with, a, with a, the rest of the uh, sapling would serve as the handle. And oftentimes they would cut those roots kind of sharply so that you would have sharp pieces sticking out. In fact, sometimes they would put nails or other sharp objects in that club head so that when a predator came to attack the sheep, a lion, a bear, you would have a necessary weapon to fend off and to kill that animal and save those sheep. And they would also use it because the sheep are so dumb, they're going someplace they shouldn't, would throw that out, not to hit the sheep necessarily, but to kind of back him up, to throw it in front of their face to back them up, and again, protect them from themselves. Now, the staff is also known as a crook. It's like a tall walking stick with a sharply curved edge. Again, the sheep would take a, a sapling and mold it to the curve, the hook, to use to keep the sheep out of danger. You know, we see, you can just imagine them, you know, putting the crook around the sheep's neck to try to pull them out of where the sheep has landed. We also see pictures of Jesus, and Jesus is holding the crook, the shepherd's staff, signifying that Jesus is the shepherd, and we are the sheep. We're his flock. And so we don't have to fear evil because they know the Lord protects us, will take care of us from others and also from ourselves. The rod and staff in this case are symbolic because the Lord certainly doesn't need these earthly tools. 
The Lord has all the power needed to protect you and me. We're, we're reminded here of when the Hebrew people, they'd left Egypt. They were heading on that journey out into the desert. And, and then they saw Pharaoh's army coming from behind. They changed their mind about letting them go. But that wasn't so bad as what was ahead of them, and that was the Red Sea. They were kind of between a rock and a hard place, or between an army and a, and a, and a, and a large body of water. And um, they thought it was over. You know, we're reminded of how they cried out, wondering if they would have been better off having stayed in Egypt, where they were slaves, but they wondered if that would have been better than to die in the desert. They were in the valley of the shadow of death. And they were feeling a whole lot of evil. And then Moses. Moses spoke to, to God's people. God had chosen Moses to lead them. And Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now still, as I interpret that, doesn't necessarily mean like still, but it means resting in the Lord, trusting in the Lord. We've asked Suzanne Reff, one of our uh, youth leaders here, to, to share with us a time in her life when, when she was walking literally through the valley of the shadow of death and what she did. Suzanne? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. These seemingly sweet little words that I learned from my parents and my Sunday school teachers, maybe they were just that, words to me. But it wasn't until the summer of 2005 when I got a close encounter with the shadow of death. During the summer of 2005, our family took a vacation to Florida. And during that time, I had a severe headache, severe, severe, severe headache. And I ended up in the hospital to attempt to find out what was causing the headache. And during the testing um, to figure out what was going on with the headache, the doctors identified a brain aneurysm and two developmental venous anomalies. But it was in that time that I began to see the reality of the faith that I had claimed since childhood. That I got to see that God really is with me even in the shadow of death. We spent the next several weeks traveling to several hospitals in the Florida area and undergoing brain surgery. An attempt to coil the aneurysm so that it wouldn't burst and God willing, I wouldn't die. This sounds so scary, and sometimes when I, I share this story of the brain surgery and being diagnosed with an aneurysm, people's mouths 
drop open. Brain aneurysm, that's a scary word. But I can honestly say that as I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, God was with me. I'd always said those words, but then I got to see firsthand what it means to have God right there with you. Throughout the entire process, I felt peace. I felt peace when I was awake and they were working in my brain and I could see fireworks in front of my face. I felt peace. God gave me the peace to know that while I was facing a very serious condition, He was going to get me through it. I'd had a faith in Jesus Christ. I'd turned my life over to Christ at a very young age, and I was following God with all of my heart. But it was this, the valley of the shadow of death, that helped bring the reality of God never leaving you and never forsaking you to life in my own experience. I heard God whisper to my heart through the Holy Spirit and say to me, Suzanne, this is not the way you're going to go. I have big plans for you. I have a great life ahead of you. And this aneurysm is not the way you're going to go. And I can praise God that 10 years later, the aneurysm is stable, I'm healthy, living life, serving God. And that as a result of going through that experience in Florida, I got to see how much God loves me, how he cares for me, how his word, every single word in the Bible is true, how it applies to our lives, and how God never leaves us and forsakes us because he gives us his people, whether it be the people here at Connection Church who provided meals and care for our family, or if it's my very own family who loved us and showed God's love to us. I remember that time and um, I would get, we would get reports back from her dad Tom and say that Brian just sat by the bedside and read scripture. It's incredible. I don't, I don't know that we would respond quite like that. And um, it's an incredible testimony to your faith and to your life. And we are so grateful that God kept you with us so that together as a powerhouse team, you could affect hundreds of youth so that they could claim Christ. Thank you. Mm. So the Lord... This is her shepherd. What about you? What about you? Are you able to fear no evil? Are you able to walk through those valleys knowing that the Lord is with you? When you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is the glorious peace that we get that no matter what we're faced with, and there is some bad stuff. I know there's really hard stuff that this church family and people that we know are going through, stuff that nobody should have to go through. But the good news is that we truly, truly are not alone in it. 
even if we feel like it, even if we feel like we, you know, the Lord has forgotten us, he hasn't. Because that's where the trust comes in. That's where when we make a decision for Christ, it's like, yes, no matter what, I know you are with me. And there's a confidence that we truly are not alone. The circumstance might change, but the peace that we have going through our circumstances is a whole different ball game. We've been witness to so many people in this church uh, that have gone through really tough stuff medically, relationally, all kinds of things. And with that faith in Christ, that decision that I just know that he's not going to let me go, that carries them and that carries all of us through our darkest valleys. And it also gives us a testimony to share because God uses us as his light through us We're out there in the community. We're in the schools. We're in the workplaces. We're in our neighborhoods. People need to hear a good word. People need to know that there is hope for them in their circumstance. So that's why we claim our mission to connect people with Jesus. That's sharing that goodness of God regardless of our circumstances. And then the new life he offers is the way we're able to walk it out in confidence and faith as women and men, as children of God. That's good news for us, that Jesus lived and died and rose again so that those valleys of the shadow of death, we don't stay there, but we have always hope, and a future, and ultimately, eternal life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the good news, Connection Church. Let's believe it, and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Mighty God, I just pray a covering over everybody here today. I know that there are folks here who are in deep valleys where they wonder if they'll ever get out. Lord, send through your Holy Spirit a word of encouragement that this is not the stopping point, not the destination, but it's through. And that you're by our side every step of the way. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus went the distance and carries us. We honor you, Lord. We love you. And we bless your name. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And all of Connection agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.